Last time when I, I spoke, I, um, I was uh, determined to, to keep a good time with, it, with, the, uh, with, the pre with my preaching, and, um, and uh, there is a timer here, so it should be easy, shouldn't it? Uh, but uh, I, I don't know why, but I forgot to press the button. So at the top of my notes here, I've said, timer on. So I'm going to press the button now. It's working. <laughs> Um, I, I want to start with a, a quotation, and if I say, then I huff and I'll puff, and I bring your house down, can you guess which book it comes from, which story? The Three Little Pigs. I, I was going to use uh, the other, uh, another quotation, possibly, which is well known, is, no, no, not by the hair on my chinny chin chin, but uh, maybe you would, have, you would have thought I was trying to attract your attention to my beard. Um, so it's a very, known, uh, very well known story. It's uh, apparently been first uh, written in, in the mid 1800s. And so it's, uh, it's been, there's lots of versions about it. And, uh, I, I really prefer the version when they all survived, <laughs> including the wolf. <laughs> um, so who, ha who has never, never read the story or never heard it or never watched it? Wow, one person. Well, I, I really splashed out and I went on Amazon and bought the book just in case somebody didn't, uh, hadn't read the, uh, the book, and I really splash it, it cost me one P, <laughs> plus postage, postage 280, 80, uh, 280 P. So you can have it. <laughs> it's, it's a nice one, it's one with flaps and uh, things you move, and it's interactive. <clears throat> Obviously, uh, the, uh, one of the messages of the story is that you, you need to put a proper building, well built, to be able to uh, survive um, uh, severe weather conditions. And, and we know that very often life is also compared to putting up, constructing a building. And uh, we, we know where, where to get help when we, we want to put, uh, put up buildings, don't we? Um, there's uh, lots of experts around. You can uh, go and uh, pay lots of money to consult, and they'll advise you what, uh, what to do. They'll make drawings for you. They'll help you to design things. Uh, you can read books about it. Um, now you can even Google it, search the Internet, and you can find all sorts of uh, advice and, and help. And, of course, you can even get trained to put building up. So wouldn't it be great if we could uh, get help um, in constructing or structuring our, our own lives so that uh, we would uh, do it wisely and strongly so that when we have uh, adverse conditions, which uh, can happen, the house is, uh, is able to, to stand not the house, our life, yes? That our life would be able to, to stand the, the test and at the end of the test we would still be standing. Yeah, it would be great, wouldn't it, if we could get such help. Well, in one of our uh, surprising stories from Jesus, we, uh, we, Jesus gives us the help that we need uh, 
to know what to do to be able to have a life so uh, structured that when severe conditions happen, at the end of the test, we are still standing. And we're not just all crumpled up on, on the floor and we need to be picked up with a, a small spoon. So if you turn to Luke chapter 6, verses 46 to 49, Jesus gives us um, here an illustration that will uh, help us in knowing what to do to have such a life. And, and Luke, um, this, this story is also uh, recorded in, in the book of, uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter, at the end of chapter 7. And there are a few variations, and they complete each other. Here, uh, Luke starts with something that Matthew doesn't mention, and he, he starts with a question, Jesus asking the question, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. And when the flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. And then he carries on saying, But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And the moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Very helpful, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And as a good teacher, no, I shouldn't say a good teacher, as an excellent teacher, Jesus uh, asks questions throughout the Gospels. You find very often people ask him a question. He answers by asking another question. Uh, and uh, he gives illustrations. And here we have both a question and an illustration. And he, uh, Jesus raises four, four issues. He raises the issue of confession the issue of uh, instruction, of action, and of implication. So in verse 46, which we can split in, in two parts, we can deal first of all with the issue of confession and the question that Jesus asked, why do you call me Lord? And I think it's a very good question, isn't it? He's not talking to people who have had never had anything to do with him, but he's people, talking to people who've heard him, or who've uh, possibly started uh, uh, putting their trust in him and, uh, and all that, and followed him around, and uh, accepted uh, some of his teaching. And he asked the question, why do you call me Lord? And it would be very interesting, if we had the time, which we haven't, well, so we won't do it, but it would be very interesting to go around the room here and ask a few people, why? do they call Jesus Lord? And I think we would have some variations in the answers. 
The word that is used here in, in, in this verse, the word Lord, in, in Greek is the word kurios, and uh, it's a title of honor, of uh, uh, respect, and reverence. But also it's uh, uh, with the idea of accepting the person we call by that name, by that title, accepting the idea that that person is the master. Is the ruler, is the king, or the boss, or whatever words you want to, to use to replace, to replace this. Yes, this idea of being, being the master. Uh, and having power and authority. Having power and authority and deserving service and submission. When you use the, the word curious, when you use the, the word lord, this is what you should have at the back of your mind. Yeah? That if it's not at the back of your mind, whatever else you have, you should have this, this concept of Jesus being, being the master and deserving service and submission, having power and authority. And if, if your definition is, is not that, if it doesn't include that, then the, your definition is short and you need to revise it. So that the next time when I come and ask you, you can give me the whole answer. And um, Jesus here is not denying that he is Lord in, in many occasions, on some occasions, when people say something about him that he feels is not true, he tells them and he asks them not, not to do it. So here, here people uh, come to him and, and call him Lord, is, is, uh, and here asking the question, he, he doesn't say following the question, he says, oh, stop it, you shouldn't call me that. No, he doesn't, he just leaves it and... Uh, and we know that in, in other, other passages, in other uh, uh, circumstances, Jesus confirms that he is really, really, truly, truly Lord. And for example, in uh, uh, John chapter 13 and verse 13, he says, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. I got this. I was thinking about this just before coming. I got the suspicion that when he says "I am," it sounded like the "I am" that Moses heard when he asked God what what he was called. That is what I am. You call me Lord. That is what I am. That is what he is, and is it's okay. You're okay to call him Lord. And uh, uh, Matthew twenty-eight eighteen. Um, after, after his resurrection and uh, as he was mixing with his disciples uh, uh, 40 days, he, he says towards the end as he was about to, to be uh, taken up to heaven, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. And then in uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 to 11, very well-known verses where it says wonderful, wonderful words. Therefore, God, because Jesus humbled himself, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every, every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
wonderful, isn't it? So, of course, we know it's, uh, it, uh, it's not quite, uh, quite there, but one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that uh, Jesus is, is Lord. Aren't we privileged people to be able to, uh, to do it now, gladly, not being forced, but gladly acknowledging that Jesus, Jesus is Lord? This uh, question of authority and, and, and power is well uh, illustrated in, in, in the next chapter in, in, the, in the Gospel of Luke, where a Roman centurion comes to Jesus and asks him to heal one of his servants uh, back at home who is very, very ill. And Jesus said, okay, I'll come. And the, servant, the, the centurion said, no, no, don't come. Don't come. I'm, I'm a man under authority. And if I tell somebody do this, they do it. Yeah, that's how it works in the army, isn't it? <laughs> do that, go here, go there. People, people do it. So he says, amazing words. He says, just say one word and my servant will be healed. Wow. He understood about uh, power and authority, didn't he? And, and that's, that's, that's the case with Jesus. And he says, okay. I've, I haven't seen faith like this in Israel. Your servant is healed. Goes back home, inquires, or finds out that the, the servant was healed. And when he inquires what time he was healed, it was the time when Jesus told him that his servant was healed. Wow. Um, so Jesus being Lord and calling him Lord, we, we, we mustn't think of it like just as, as a reverence. A term as a title, like, like the Queen, for example, in England. Yeah, she has lots of honor, lots of reverence, no power. Sorry if you're a fan of the Queen. Um, I'm French, so I'm a Republican, so. <laughs> yes, is that true? Not much. Possibly in Buckingham Palace, whatever she says goes, but outside. If the queen came to you and asked you to do something, would you do it? Maybe, maybe not. But if, if you decided not to do it, she couldn't do anything about it, could she? So it's not like this, where she has lots of honor, lots of reverence, but not much power and authority. Whereas Jesus is worthy of the title, but he has lots of power and lots of authority, and there is no... Uh, <clears throat> no hesitation, we, we mustn't have any hesitation in, in confessing that Jesus, Jesus Christ is Lord with all power and all authority. Then the second part of the question in 46b, uh, <coughs> Jesus then asks even a, a question or finishes the question by being even more challenging. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? So here you have the issue of, I, I try to make all those words uh, rhyme, so I've come up with the word instruction. The issue of instruction, <coughs> and in verse, uh, uh, verse 46 he says what I say, in verse 47 he says, it talks about my words. Um, and what a privilege it is for those who come to him, yes, as, and accept him as their Lord, 
that they have the privilege of hearing him. And it wasn't just for those who lived at the same time as Jesus, those at the time of the Gospels. We know that it is also today for us, his disciples, is privileged to hear him. Yeah? To hear his words. Of course, it's not going to, to come the same way as it was at the time of the, the, the gospel. It's going to, to be possibly a bit more challenging. It, it's going to, to raise lots of uh, questions in our minds. But the, the, the New Testament makes it very clear that those who come to Jesus and accept him as Lord will have the privilege of hearing his words, of hearing him. Uh, just in, in case you need convincing, uh, chapter John, chapter, the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 47, says, He who belongs to God hears what God says. Hear, he or those who belong to God hear what God says. Do you belong to God? So your privilege is to hear God. Here again, if I had time, I could uh, dig a little bit, a bit more about hearing God. There's all sorts of issues, aren't there, about uh, hearing Jesus and hearing his words. But you, you need to know that uh, uh, it's, it's our privilege as, as disciples of Jesus to be able to, to, hear, to hear him. Of course, it's not automatic. Um, some Christians were criticized in the, in the, in the book of, uh, of, of Hebrews, and the, the writer tells them that they have become, in the King James Version, it tells them that you have become dull of hearing. Yes? You've become hard of hearing. You find it difficult to hear. Uh, so, which indicates to me that uh, hearing Jesus will not come automatically, that it, some, somehow it, we, we need to, uh, to cooperate with it. We, there are certain things that we, we need to do. Um, Jesus, on, on many occasions, says, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Those who have hear, ears to hear, let them hear. Yeah, because it doesn't, it, it requires something else. It won't be forced upon us. We, we need to, to be willing, we need to cooperate. Um, we all know, don't we, that we can hear something. It really doesn't make, it goes here and comes out there, doesn't it? That this, this morning, I could ask at the end of the meeting, can you tell me what I said? And a good number of you might not be able to tell me everything that I said. Because sometimes, <laughs> during the, uh, the message, especially if it drags on a bit, you are going to be uh, gone. Your, your physical ears will hear sounds, but it won't make any sense to you. You'll be somewhere else. You'll be distracted. And, um, and, and it's, it can happen. And we need to be careful. Yes, we need to engage. We, we can't just be spectators and wait that everything will be done for us. We need to be, we need to be willing to, to, to hear Jesus' words. We need to, to, if we are distracted, if we have the opportunity to hear what Jesus has taught and, and has said, if we feel that, if you find that you are distracted, then you need to deal with the distractions. Writing notes is a good idea. It helps you to concentrate. And, um, 
Of course, you need to be interested. Are you interested in what Jesus has to say? Wow. Aren't we? My goodness. If we are, we, we hear all sorts of things out of it today. Communication is, is the age of communication. Also, we are bombarded all the time, aren't we? And, and if there is somebody we want to hear, is, is what Jesus had, had, to, had to say. And we need to be humble, of course. We need to make it a priority. And I would suggest that we need to pray about it. Yeah, that God will, will help us to, to hear what he has to say. Uh, Solomon was asked, what do you want me? God asked uh, Solomon, the king in the Old Testament, what do you want me to do for you? And, and the, the literal translation of what, his request, he says, give me a hearing heart. Which, of course, gave him wisdom that nobody has ever, be, have, has ever matched. Yeah? Give me a hearing heart. And that's what we, we need to pray from time to time that God will, will help us by his Holy Spirit to give us ears to, to hear what, what he has to say. I need to hurry up. My time on the time, time on the timer and my time on the sheet is not the same. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hearing his words, we know, don't we, that is primarily uh, from what is recorded in, in, uh, in the New Testament. That uh, we, we can read. We, we mustn't be so much taken up by having uh, new revelation, new words and that a lot of the words have already been spoken, haven't they? And, uh, and we have the opportunity to, to refer to them. Um, then the se second thing is about hearing his word, and it's also, it says, do not do, you do not do what I say. So it's not just about hearing, but it's about hearing instructions and being told what to do. Right? Being told. How do you feel about being told what to do? It's against, really against our nature, isn't it? I, I thought it was a French thing. French have got this reputation of, of uh, being rebellious and revolutionary and all that. Uh, but I, having traveled a little bit, having lived in a, in a different country, I, well, I think it's not just a French thing. It's very much a human nature thing that we do not like to be told what to do. And it starts very early, doesn't it? We don't need to be taught. Wow that no word comes very quickly in, in our language, doesn't it? So, but if we are going to have Jesus as Lord, then we need to accept that he is going to tell us what to do. Right? He is going to give us instructions. The essence of, of Christian living is about being told what to do. It's about instructions. Uh, Matthew 28, uh, verse 19 to 20, uh, 19 to 20 uh, Jesus says to his disciples, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe, to put in practice everything that I have commanded you, I have told you. Right? It'd be good, wouldn't it, to have somebody who could make up courses about doing what Jesus has told us to do. Um, okay. My time is up. I need to move on. Then in uh, <clears throat> verse 47, he adds another aspect 
and uh, which is if hearing Jesus is important, if uh, being willing is important, this uh, third aspect is even more important. And it's this question of uh, uh, putting in practice, into practice. Um, Christians have got great problems with this. Again, if I time, we could uh, delve a bit more into it, but uh, they, they, they have to uh, uh, match up things, it seems, that are contradictory with, with each other. For example, faith and the fact that we are saved by faith, that we are saved by believing that Jesus is our Savior, that God, God so loved the world, yes, that he sent his Son and that anyone who believes, yes, anyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Do you want eternal life? Do you want life? Are you, are you not happy with your life now? Is, uh, anybody who is not a Christian here? Yeah? If you really want life, proper life, and that life is eternal, then put your faith, your trust, your confidence in the Son of God who came into this world because God loved us. So faith, we start with faith, and then because we are saved by faith, then we feel we might feel that there is nothing else to do. We just wait here until we go through our life and Jesus comes back or we die and we go to heaven. And so this aspect of putting certain things into practice can possibly come in contradiction with this. Uh, 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 the grace of God. We're saved by grace. We don't deserve it. There's nothing we can do. Yeah, Jesus has done it all for us. And now it's okay. I'm saved by grace. I can do whatever I like. It doesn't matter. It's by grace. I don't have to do anything. And so there is that idea. And, and obedience can clash a little bit. Sometimes uh, Christians are uh, afraid of legalism. Do you know what legalism is? God says, don't steal the donkey of your neighbor. Right? So you say, okay, I won't steal my neighbor's donkey, but I can steal his cow. God doesn't ever, hasn't mentioned about cows, so if I steal his cow, it's, it's, it's fine. Yeah? That's what legalism do. They stick to the letter and try to do exactly what it says. And don't worry about the spirit. That when God says, don't steal your donkey, actually means don't steal. The donkey as, as an example. That, does, that doesn't give us the right to steal anything else from, from our, our neighbor. Yeah, that's legalism. And as Christians, we might feel that maybe obedience, putting in practice what Jesus has commanded, is, can lead, it can lead to legalism, so we need to be careful. Okay, <clears throat> so Jesus expects obedience. Over and over again, he repeats this same idea. And if you read the gospel, you'll find that he, he says it a, a number of occasions. And in John chapter, something like John chapter 14, verse 23, where it says, If anyone loves me, he will obey my commandments. 
If anyone loves me, they will obey my, my, my teaching. Somewhere else he says, my commands. Peter, in his first letter, in chapter 1, verse 13, he says, prepare your minds for action. In the message, it says, roll up your sleeves. Put your mind in gear. That's good, isn't it? Um, Paul calls the, the whole uh, aspect of salvation, he calls it the obedience of faith. So, um, God, Jesus expects obedience. Jesus expects not just for us to hear what he has to say, uh, to hear what he, he tells us to do, but he expects us to put it into practice. It's imperative that we do what Jesus tells us to do. In conclusion, I've caught up with my time, that's good. You have the issue of uh, implication. <clears throat> the question is, how do you think Jesus asked this first question when he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? If I was an actor, I could give you several interpretations on how differently uh, Jesus felt about this and how it co would have come out in his voice. And so he, he could have been angry about it. It's annoying, isn't it? If you are a parent or if you are a teacher, you know that it is very annoying that you tell somebody to do something and they don't, they don't do it. And then when you ask them a question, why don't you do what I tell you? you it, sounds, it sounds angry, doesn't it? Um, he, he could have uh, been sarcastic about it. He could have been discouraged, discouraged about it or could have sounded discouraged about it. There's all sorts of different interpretations that Jesus could have, uh, how Jesus could have asked this, this question. But I think because Jesus knows the end result, and especially for those who are not prepared to do, to put in practice what he, he does, what he says, I think because he, he knows the end result, the end result is uh, a disaster, the, the house and more, if it was just a building, it wouldn't matter too, too much. I don't own a building, so maybe, a, oh, yeah, I do, actually. Um, if it's a house, possibly it's not, not the end of the world. But if it's your life that collapses, wow, it's, uh, it's, it's a bit more serious, isn't it? Because Jesus then knows uh, <clears throat> the, end, the end result. He knows the severe conditions that uh, can happen in, in people's lives. It's interesting uh, that both the wise builder and the foolish builder, both types of uh, uh, the different types of severe conditions happen to both of them. It, it just doesn't say, if you put my words in practice, you, you don't worry, you want, uh, nothing will happen to you. No, no, both, to both people, to, to both the wise and the foolish, you have the rain, you have the water, you have the, the streams and, and the wind that comes against both types of houses. So Jesus is not promising that you'll have a cushy life, right? Some people might want you to believe that. You will be healthy, you'll be wealthy, everything will be okay. Yeah? No, no, that's not what I read in the, in the gospel. Just this illustration, both will experience the same kind of severe conditions. And Jesus knows that. 
And he knows the end result for both of them, that for those who put in practice and those who don't. And I think because of that, then, Jesus, a, a more accurate interpretation of how Jesus would have asked the question would have been a lot more with compassion and, and, and with love. Yes, he, he, I'm sure, felt really sorry for those who were not prepared to, to do what, uh, what he said. And <laughs> what's the wisest thing to do? Yes, you don't need to be a... These days, you don't need to be a, an expert in building to know that foundations are really crucial, aren't they? I was, uh, we went to watch a, reg, a rugby game yesterday at the uh, Olympic Park, and I was uh, reading up uh, about the stadium, and they uh, dug 20 meters deep for the, fa for the foundation for this, uh, this stadium. 20 meters multiplied by three, 60 feet. 60 feet deep just for the foundation. Wow, my goodness. Foundations are crucial. And they're crucial for building. And if Jesus uses the illustration here, foundations are crucial for, for our lives. And it is the wisest thing we can do to dig deep and to have foundations for our lives. And Jesus is telling us here that these foundations is to hear what he has to say what he has to say and to do to put in practice those things. I think last week Brian was uh, talking about making excuses. We are very good, aren't we, about making excuses. But we, uh, we, must, uh, we must resist the temptation and we must make sure that we are wise people and it is really the wisest thing to do that we uh, not only hear what Jesus has to say but we, uh, we put it in practice. What kind of results do you want? What kind of people do you want to be? So I think we, we mustn't be afraid to be quick to confess that Jesus is Lord. But of course, we must be, mustn't be just words and just a, a title of honor, but that really we, behind it, we really accept that he is Lord and that he is going to tell us to do certain things and that he expects us to be quick to, uh, to act upon it. This is the challenge this morning. Of course, there's always a chance to repent that if we have messed up and if we have, uh, at times, there has been things that we know Jesus has told us to do, uh, there's always repentance that we can always come to, to Jesus and ask him to, to forgive us, and, and he will. Yeah? We're not, never beyond, beyond the, the no return point, that we can, we can come to Jesus and, and ask him to forgive us. So this morning, I, I would like you to really, <coughs> uh, if, if, even if you've never do it, or if, if you re want to redo it, is, is to make sure that, as Paul says in Romans 12, he says, uh, in view of God's mercy, uh, present your bodies, which are the instruments of your actions, present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. That's what we need to, we need to do from time to time, to present ourselves to God, to Jesus, so that we make sure that we are wise people and, uh, <coughs> and do exactly what he says. Amen.